the Holy Spirit to bear witness with my spirit concerning revelation of the word and how to apply it in my life on a daily basis. I'm a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Therefore, I am a fruitful believer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter number 10. Hebrews chapter number 10. We are going to uh, conclude at least this series. I am always hesitant when I use the word conclude because I am really not done. We're just going to move on to something else. <laughs> As I believe led of the spirit. But I'm always hesitant to say that because there's so many times where I say we're going to conclude the series. And I'm like there's at least I don't know. <laughs> And so praise the Lord anyway. So we're going to conclude this section of this series on this morning of the big payback, faith in the God of recompense. The big payback, faith in the God of recompense. And so we're going to look, if you will, once again at our text scripture in regards to this particular subject at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 35. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 35. It indicates, cast not away, therefore your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, verse 36, that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. So he says, don't fling away your confidence in the God of recompense, essentially, as we've been teaching in this particular series. Don't throw away your confidence in the God of recompense. He hadn't forgotten anything that you've done in the kingdom of God for his name's sake. Psalms 27, let's look at that once again, has been our second uh, text for this particular passage of scripture and it says scripture says I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living he says I believe something and because of my belief I did not faint if I didn't believe I would have fainted there's so many days I can identify with David here because if you don't believe I'm telling you it's hard to keep going when you have when your heart is not in it and so a lot of times what happens is the devil knows this and he says, I'm going to attack what you believe. If I can get them to stop believing, I can get them to stop progressing or moving towards what God has in fact called them to do. David says, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord. And we focus in on this point in the land of the living. In the land of the living. I'm going to circle back to that in just a minute. He says, verse 14, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Now, over the last couple of sessions, we've been talking about the latter part of this particular series, which is the God of judgment, that God is a God of judgment. And we've been focusing in on these three particular areas of judgment. How many of you know there are more? There, there, there are more in the scripture, and there's a reason why we indicated there's three that we're going to focus in on were these three, because there are additional things that we can talk about, you know, particularly where God judges nations where God judges us individually uh, based on sins, iniquities that are in our house. God judges us based on righteous behaviors. And so there's more things that can be said, but we've been looking at these three judgments and the three or the two verses, the two that we've been talking about first and foremost were pertaining to the afterlife, after you exit this physical body. The first one we indicated was the sinner's judgment. The sinner's judgment, which is rapid, it is quick. It is when you get to go be with your spiritual Lord, which if you never made Jesus the Lord of your life, is not Jesus. Cut, dry, and simple. 
And then we've also indicated, and we talked about, therefore, this second or this number two, if you will, judgment, which is the judgment at the seat of Christ, which is also after life, after you exit the body. The judgment at the seat or the judgment seat of Christ. And then we begin to identify some of these areas in which God is going to judge you when you, in fact, die. But now we're going to circle back around to judgment number three which coincides with what David says, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord. But he indicates to us in the land of the living. Now we want to go back to looking at this latter portion of judgment and we want to relate it to what I define as in life judgments, in life or life harvest of seeds sown. Life harvest of seed sown, seeds sown. And for that, let's look at Galatians chapter number six, and we're going to begin there. Galatians chapter number six. Like I said before, the first two have to do with what happens when you die. And we spend a lot of time talking about that, particularly breaking out 2 Corinthians chapter five and verse number 10. But this morning, my assignment lies here to talk about how God judges and how he set up the system for judgment in regards to life harvest of seeds that have been sown. He on the earth, not in the afterlife. Amen. Galatians chapter six and verse number seven says, be not the King James Version. It says, do be not deceived. Don't fool yourself. He says, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, he says, that shall he also reap. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Verse number eight says, for he that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Now in the classic amplified version of the Bible says it like this. He says, do not be deceived deluded and misled. God will not allow himself to be snared at scorn, disdain, mocked by mere pretension or professions or by his precepts being set aside. He says inevitably deludes himself who thinks or I'm sorry, who attempts to delude God. For whatever a man soweth Whatever a man sows, he says that and that only will he reap. Whatever a man sows, that will he reap. Now, verse 8 says this, he says, And he that sows to his own flesh, Lord nature, sensuality, will from the flesh reap decay and ruin and destruction. But he that sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap life everlasting. The message translation says the same scripture this way. It says, don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. And I think it's important that we should remember that. Don't be misled. This week, I believe, uh, uh, I think her name was Bryant. She was, uh, I made some commentary and said some things in regards to uh, Emmett Till on last week. And I believe the accuser of Emmett Till, she died this past week. And I was reading some of the things that some of the people were putting online and like, you know, good riddance, you know, and I, I got nothing good to say, et cetera. And, and, and the reason why they felt that way is because they feel like that she didn't get the punishment that she deserved. The justice, right. But in reality, you really don't know what happened in her life. 
<laughs> you, you don't know how God was dealing with her. You don't know the, the, the agony that she experienced. Sometimes we like for quick deaths and quick things to be over when in reality there's a harvest of seeds sown. What trajectory of her life changed on the day she decided to lie about this young man? You don't know what happened in her life. You don't know the trajectory or the torment that went along with this decision. Again, God is not mocked for whatsoever man is sold. He says, don't be misled out of the message translation. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. A person who plants selfish, Ignore selfishness, I'm sorry, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvest a crop of weeds. This is in your Bible. And he says, all he'll have to show for his life is weeds. That's why you ain't gotta worry about it. Nobody gets away with anything. Now you might not watch this, get the pleasure of seeing manifestation of the vengeance that God has employed. And that's something that you need to pray about because if you need to see it, then what's wrong with you? But in reality, nobody gets away with anything. He says, he goes on to say, but the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, and he says, eternal life. Now, We've been talking over this time about the God of recompense. Yeah, I'll say that. Now listen, when we talk about the flesh, oftentimes, particularly depending on how you've been taught this particular passage of scripture, for some reason or another, some people when they hear harvesting seeds, sowing to the flesh, the only thing they think of is sexual sin. And one of the things that God dropped in my heart before I went to bed on last night, he said, I want you to give five ways that you could sow to your flesh. Now these are not the only five, but if I wish you could sow to your flesh that have nothing to do with sexual sins. Because I don't know, again, I don't know, it's sometimes people hear this and they say, oh, we talking about sex, Rev? No, Rev ain't talking about sex. We're talking about stuff you do. Five ways you could sow to your flesh, recourse number one, is this area of pure disobedience. God told you to do this, you do something that's completely different. But another way that you can sow to your flesh is to disregard God's voice. Disregard God's voice and you don't make it a priority. You just do what you know to do or you do what you've been doing or you, God's not a factor. That's sowing to your flesh. And there's a life harvest when you continually sow to your flesh. You just make a decision and then you pray about it later. Instead of praying about the decision, praying through the decision, and praying when you have made the decision, all of it is still communing with God concerning the process. But unfortunately, a lot of Christians, what they do is they say, all right, I'll pray after I've made my mind up what I want to do. Well, that's on to your flesh. And you're going to reap a harvest of corruption. Another way is by number three, contempt. Contempt. You ever been, you ever seen it in court? when someone is acting out of character, out of nature, that the judge says that, they, that the lawyers or the people should be acting in court, the judge will look at and say, you need to sit down before I hold you, notice the term he uses, in contempt of court. You need to get yourself together real quick 
because there is a divine, or not in this sense, there is an order in the courthouse. And that's why he bangs that gavel. She bangs that gavel and says, order, order. And if you don't obey the order, he says, I, or she says, I'm going to hold you in contempt of this court. What does it mean to be held in contempt of court? It means that I'm going to hold you or charge you with having a lack of respect. And some people, they can't hear that God's gaveling their life saying, you are showing me a lack of respect. I'm not going to continue to see your life. And don't you understand? There are certain things that are going to be harvesting your life because you keep showing a lack of respect for God. The gavel could be banging in your life. And when you continuously disregard God in this manner, what happens is God says, for this lack of respect, you are sowing to your flesh and you're going to reap a harvest in regards to that. The fourth way that you can sow to your flesh is by this way of pride. Or specifically, my assignment says, to tell you pride can look like where you are completely unteachable. You got a little bit of a know-it-all in you. Can't tell you nothing. I don't read that, Reverend. It comes from the Greek word, which means that you can't be taught nothing. Nobody can say anything to you because you're always right. Well, that is pride and that is sowing to your flesh. And when you do that, he says you're going to reap a harvest of corruption. Why? One of the reasons why you're going to reap a harvest of corruption is because of the fact the people that God has placed in your life to be guardrails for your life, you keep disregarding them. Fifth way that you can sow to your flesh is by this area of presumption. Presumption or audacity. Presumption, which is audacity, which is a bold arrogance. You just, because God did, he moved this way back in 1985. And you have a bold arrogance that God is going to do the exact same thing in 2023. For this cause, that's the reason why a lot of churches are behind the curveball. It's because they are listening to a word that God gave them back then and not continuously listening to what is God saying now? What's the new trajectory? Where is God leading the church now? If the latter church is supposed to be greater than the former church, then we have to have people that are attuned to the spirit of God so that we can receive what he has in this latter day outpouring. But presumption is, well, we, we know how this goes. <laughs> and he says, when you sow to your flesh, you will of your flesh reap corruption. So these areas that I've been talking about are life harvests. These are things that you do, that you receive a harvest, not in heaven, but here on the earth. But he says, but if you sow to the things of the spirit of God, you will leave life and eternal life. Now, as we conclude this area of the God of recompense, we need to understand that, yes, he is the God of recompense. And we've indicated to you the word recompense literally means he's the God that pays back, which is why we've entitled this series The Big Payback. We've also indicated to you that recompense means to repay, to reward, to restore, and to give back. It means to repay. It means to reward. It means to restore, refresh, and even repair. But it also means to give back. And so as we conclude, I want you to see as these harvests of seeds that have been sown, there are three areas, if you will, that we can determine on this morning that govern 
whether or not you receive from the God of recompense. It's not that God doesn't have a desire to repay you for the good things that you've done, but sometimes we can do things that will prevent God from manifesting certain things in our life. It ain't God, it's sometimes it's, it's just you. It's not that God didn't have a desire for it, it's just you are the whole up. And so we want to look at three areas, once again, that govern your harvest on the earth. The first area we want to look at is this area of your mouth. <laughs> your mouth. What's been coming out of your mouth? Look over, if you will, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Now, the King James Version of the Bible. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Your mouth is a governor of whether or not you're going to receive the harvest from the God of recompense. What have you been saying? Notice what the scripture says here. It says, verse 8, 21, it says, death and life are in the power, or as the Hebrew word, there is the yod, which means the hand of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Now, that's a great translation. Let's look at this in the message translation. It's a little cut to the point. It says, words kill, words give life. They'll either poison or fruit. You choose. The words that are coming out of your mouth, they're either going to poison your future, poison your harvest, or they're going to bring in the harvest of what the seeds that you've been sowing. It could be a possibility that you've been doing good and God has a desire to pay you back in these areas, but your mouth keeps stopping the harvest. You keep speaking death to your harvest. Nothing good ever happens to me. We're always going through. We always got this mess happening on. And God's like, I can't, I can't, I can't get involved with that. Because you are blocking your blessing with your mouth. Proverbs chapter 12. Turn over there let's, since we're in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse number 14. Notice this. The Bible says this. A man shall be satisfied with good. Notice what he says. By the fruit. Now we just read a few minutes ago that the words that you are speaking, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. And he says, you choose. And he says, in this scripture, a man shall be satisfied with good by what? The fruit of his mouth. So my satisfaction of good has to do with what's coming out of my mouth. And he says, and then he says, and the uh, recompense of a man's hand shall be rendered unto him. He says the good fruit that you will be having in your life has everything to do with what you are speaking out of your mouth. Have you ever noticed that what you speak is how your actions begin to be moved in that direction? You speak things, and as you speak things, it gets in your heart. As you, it gets in your heart, your belief system becomes actions. And so what he's saying here, once again, a man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth and the recompense of a man's hand shall be rendered unto him. Notice the Amplified says, a man shall be satisfied with good from the fruit of his mouth or, or the fruit of his words and the deeds of his hands of, or, or a man's hand will return to him a harvest. Look over at Proverbs 13, since you're in 12. I've already given you two witnesses in regards to your mouth. Let's look one more. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 13 and verse number three, he says, he that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that opens wide his lips shall have destruction. 
Governing your mouth is not just a cute churchy suggestion. It is something that we have to actively do. And we're going to talk here soon about speaking faith-filled words. Because sometimes, see, how judgment works is if you keep speaking certain things in your life, God Almighty says, as the judge, I have to allow that. Just like in the, in, the, in, the, in the courtroom, have you ever seen certain things where the judge says, yeah, I'll allow it. Why does he say that? Because there are certain things, particularly if you are the one that's defending yourself and you perjure yourself or something happens, he has to say, I have to allow that because of what you've done. Sometimes you can have an accident. Sometimes certain things financially can happen in your life and it's not because that you haven't been doing right. It's because your mouth has been cursing the thing that God wanted to do. And God has to say, I have to allow that. It's not because I didn't want certain things to be in manifestation. It's not because you haven't sown correctly. It's because of your big mouth beginning to do certain things and speak certain ways that are contradictory to what you've been saying you believe. My mouth. The Amplified Version of the Bible says it's like this. The one who guards his mouth. Thinking before he speaks protects his life. The one who guards his mouth. Thinking. Now, the more we begin to understand this, now, 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 that's killing me. My feet are killing me. Uh, or, you know, man, I was dying to tell you this. <laughs> the more we think about what we're saying, if God turned up the power on your words, do you want what you've been saying to be a manifestation? The one who guards his mouth, thinking before he speaks, protects his life. The one who opens his lips wide and chatters without thinking comes to ruin. And that doesn't have anything to do with God that has everything to do with you. See song. You're sowing words of destruction, and God says, I have to allow that. Second thing that governs your recompense from the God of recompense is this area of your lifestyle. Your lifestyle or your behavior, holy living, we usually call it. Because something, something about holy living seems to be going out of style today. Grace, 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 grace. And we are, we oftentimes think that God's changed. Like living right is old fashioned. Well, God will forgive me. Yeah, but there are consequences. Yes, he will. But the consequences are not living right. There are consequences to sowing to your flesh. He also says, you know, in the grace book of, of Galatians, he also says, he that sows to his flesh shall of his flesh reap corruption. Let's turn over, if you will, to Psalms 84. Psalms 84. There is consequences for living wrong, but there are benefits to living right. Psalms 84, now notice this in verse number 11, it says, watch this. For the Lord is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. Notice this, he says, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Notice he says, no good, and the word, if you look at the traditional King James, the word thing is italicized. When it's italicized means that it has been added by the translators. So really, if you look at that particular passage of scripture, it says, no good will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. 
It's not just a thing. No good. We just sung about the goodness of the Lord. Well, how do I have the goodness of the Lord in manifestation in my life? He says, walk uprightly before me. Notice verse 12 says, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth thee. Living right and walking in holiness requires you to trust God. The Amplified Version of the Bible says it like this. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows grace and favor and honor. No good thing will it withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord, verse 12. O Lord of hosts, how blessed and greatly favored is the man who trusts in you. My holy living is a display of my trust in God's methodologies for my life. My life in agreement with him. He says, believing in you, relying on you and committing himself to you with confidence and confident hope and expectation. Turn over, if you will, to Proverbs chapter 11, and let's look at verse 31. Holy living, living right. Now, holy living means living in agreement with God. It don't necessarily mean all the stuff that the traditional church meant, but by the same balance, it doesn't mean all of the grace, I can do what I want to stuff that the contemporary church has. It's a happy balance. Proverbs 11, verse 34, notice what the scripture says here. Behold, the righteous shall be recompensed. Notice where he says, in the earth. The righteous. What is the righteous? The ones that are living right, in right standing with God. He said, there will be recompense in the earth. You say, well, Reverend, we'll all be made righteous. Now he says, much more the wicked and sinners. In other words, he's making a distinction. He's not talking about, as we understand in the New Testament, the spiritual righteousness. He's talking in the Old Testament in this sense of living right. So he says, behold, the righteous shall be recompensed on this side of heaven, much more the wicked and sinners. The Amplified, notice this out of the classic Amplified version of the Bible says, behold, the uncompromisingly righteous shall be recompensed. And he indicates once again on earth on earth how much more the wicked and sinners and if the righteous are bravely saved what will become of the ungodly and wicked ungodly and the wicked he said something gonna happen to the ungodly and the wicked but we need to understand if you live right he says I'm gonna recompense that here on the earth Psalms 18 let's look at this Psalms 18 and verse number 20. Psalms 18 and verse number 20. Now this is uh, David, a psalm of praise that comes from David. He writes this psalm after being chased by Saul. <laughs> I've said before and I'll say again that David really is a great picture of what it means to be recompensed by God. Because every opportunity that he had to get Saul, he passed. It was one point in his life that David was trapped. He was in a cave and Saul's, his, his army came and they slept in that same cave. And, and David came down out of that cave and he had the opportunity to take Saul out. And he just cut a little piece of his clothes. And when Saul woke up, he showed the clothes to him and said, see, King, I had the opportunity to take you out, but I didn't. Because he understood something that we got to make sure we understand as a part of the God of recompense, that vengeance belongs to God. 
David says, I'm going to stay in the position of honor. If you stay in the position of honor, God is the one that will recompense you. Every opportunity that you have to get your enemies that you pass over, God says, I'm going to recompense that. You choosing my way. Every opportunity that you felt your flesh was curling up and you said, no, I'm not going to do that. God says, I took note of that. I saw it and I'm going to recompense that. Notice what David says here by inspiration of the spirit. He says, the Lord rewards me, rewarded me according, notice what he says, to my righteousness. Now he's talking about right living. According to the cleanliness of my hands, hath he recompensed me. Right living. I decided to honor the anointed king of Israel instead of seeking my own vengeance and the Lord is going to recompense the cleanliness of my hands, he says. Verse 21. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. Verse 22, watch this. For all his judgments were before me, and I did not put away his statutes from me. In other words, I gave attention to what God wanted me to do. I honored the anointing. You know, there's a lot of dishonor that's happening right now in the body of Christ. A lot of dishonor. One of the things that God keeps telling me when I go into different ministries or I go into different places, God says, honor, honor, honor the ministry gifts. And sometimes I'm like, Lord, but they, they show treating me funky. He said, honor. I want you to operate in honor. Everywhere you go, operate in honor for the men and the women of God that have sacrificed in the other generation, that have built things in other generations. Don't you become an arrogant minister like some of the young contemporaries that are out and about that are like, we just got to throw all that away. No, we need to honor what the men of God did in the previous generation. What the sacrifices they, they operate in. Honor. This is what David does. He says, even though they weren't treating me right, even though Saul was chasing me, every time I had the opportunity, I operated in honor. And when you do that, you keep your hands clean. Verse 23, he says, I was also upright before him. Notice he says, and I kept myself from mine iniquity. I kept myself from iniquity. Or we can put it like that. I kept myself from sin. Verse 24, he says, therefore has the Lord recompensed me according, notice he says again, to my righteousness. Or we can insert right living. Because I was doing what he told me to do, I kept his statutes before me. He says, the Lord has recompensed me according to living right and according to the cleanliness of my hands in his eyesight. Some folks think that God can't see when you decide to get a little dirty. <laughs> you know, you, know you, you, you say, yeah, I can't clean in the eyesight of the people that can see me at church. But inside of God's eyesight, he's like, oh, but did you? Were well, you right? Because I got a recompense you and I'm going to recompense you. But you're not going to get 100%. You're going to get 50 because you did 100 uh, in your head, but you did 50 before the people, and then you did 50 uh, sin and dirtiness in the back of the booth in the corner. God repays and he rewards, he restores, he gives back sin according to righteousness and cleanliness of hands. If you understand that, say amen. Let's look at this third area that governs the God of recompense. It, once again, it's not that God doesn't have a desire to pay you back. 
but there are certain things that we do or don't do that stop that from happening. Your mouth, not living right, will stop the full harvest that maybe you were even owed. You see it happen all the time, even with some ministry gifts. Man, they sold right. They were living right. Now, all these kind of things, but you started sowing to your flesh. And see, little by little by little, without repentance, he says, you got to reap a harvest of corruption. So, oh, yes, you did. For all 30 years, you lived right. But when you hit 31, you started going south. And then by the time you hit your 40th anniversary, all of a sudden, don't nobody care about the last 30. They're only looking at the last 10. Third thing that keeps you in position to receive the harvest from the God of recompense is your placement. Your placement, or we can even say your actions. Turn, if you will, to Psalms 1. Psalms 1. Your placement, or your actions. Your placement. Psalms 1 is an interesting passage of Scripture because it is the introductory passage of Scripture for the entirety of the book of Psalms. We understand also Psalms historically is divided between three divisions. And uh, one of the things that we learned and they were talking about in terms of Psalms uh, in one of the classes that I took some years back at this point is that this is such, it can be considered a prayer, it can be considered advice, but it's a gateway to the additional Psalms that would follow. And it says in Psalms chapter 1 and verse 1, notice what it says here. Blessed, past tense, blessed is the man that walketh not, and he says, the counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth, oh, I'm sorry, standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Now, there are three different things that he says right in this one verse of Scripture. He says, blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. He says, and you're going to find out what the blessed man has done and what it looks like. Blessed is the man. And he says, let me start with the negatives. <laughs> he says, blessed, the uh, Amplified Bible says, blessed, fortunate, prospered, and favored by God is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. And he breaks it out a little further. He says, following their advice and example. So he indicates to us God's blessing follows those that, number one, out of this passage of scripture, don't follow ungodly counsel. The advice and the example of the wicked. I don't get my marriage advice from somebody that doesn't have proof in their own marriage. <laughs> I don't want advice from folks that ain't living right. Y'all stop all that. That's a wonderful book. What does God say? I don't want advice from folks that are just telling me stuff at the barbershop or the beauty salon. I want to know what is the heart of God, the creator of all things. He says, the blessing of God flows on the one that says, I'm not going to follow ungodly counsel. One of the ungodly counsels that a lot of young men hear is, man, you need to go out there and hit as many as you can. And then one day you need to just settle on down and get married. And that changes up a lot when they have daughters. <laughs> All of a sudden, that same advice that you wouldn't have a problem with for your son, you've got a problem with for your daughter. That's ungodly advice. Ungodly worldly examples. But unfortunately, once again, in our generation, in our time today, a lot of folks are even bringing in ungodly advice into the church and saying, well, we need to just partake of all of these things as well. We need to have some filters up. 
He says, notice what he says, blessed is the man. In other words, God says there are some built-in judgments. <clears throat> There's a built-in judgment of prosperity for the one that first makes the decision that I am not going to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. And then he says the second one, blessed is the man that, he says, that does not stand in the way of sinners. Stand in the way of sinners? What does that mean? If you look it up, what it really is saying is does not present oneself in the manner, in the habit, in the moral character of a sinner. When he says don't stand or stand up in the way of sinners, he says don't walk around the world acting like a sinner. <laughs> that's what it means. He says for the one that's going to lay out a standard, he says that person, God says, is already blessed. And then he says, watch this, that does not take a seat, take a seat, which means does not become comfortable, does not sit down, where? And, and the message translation breaks this passage and it says, passage out and it says, among know-it-alls, among know-it-alls. So God's blessing follows those that he says, that do not follow ungodly counsel, that does not stand in the way of sinners and don't take a seat among know-it-alls. What is that? Arrogant folk. You can't tell them nothing. They don't have a hunger for God. They're not interested in growing. You know, you know there are some Christians that don't want to grow. They don't want to know all this Bible. What are you talking about? I'm going to go over to this church. They read one scripture and that's it. It's enough, Reverend. Now, now come on now. Some folks don't want to grow. And God says, I want my people to be around hungry folks and you be a hungry person as well. Because notice what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. He says, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness for they will or they shall be filled. Notice how he says the same thing, blessed. The blessing of God follows those that are hungry for right living, hungry for the things of God. Notice verse number two out of Psalms. So he said, let me give you these three negatives. But he says, this is what the blessed person does. He says, and his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law does he meditate day and night. So he says, his delight is in the word. His delight, the person. We're talking about your position or your placement. The thing that governs the God of recompense in your life. He says, have a delight for the word of God. His delight is in the Lord. That's one of the reasons why we are assigning, like we do, books of the Bible. Because the desire of your pastor is that you desire God's word. Some people have said to me, you know, I never started reading the Bible until, you know, we got these assignments. And one of the, that's the reason. We need to read the Bible. We need to read the Bible. We need to read the Bible. There's a lot of folks, they ain't never read the manual, but say they're Christian. We need to read the word of God. We need to get to the point where we have a delight in the laws of God. And he says, and in that law does he meditate day and night. In other words, it is something that becomes important. The message translation said, indeed, or instead, you thrill in God's word. You chew on the scriptures day and night. It's something you want to do. It's not something that somebody forces you to do. 
Joshua 1 and 8, he, and God tells Joshua, if you meditate day and night in the word, you shall have, you shall be prosperous and have good success. Maybe that's the reason why we're not being prosperous and have good success, because you ain't got no word in you. And the reason why you have no word in you is because you still see reading the Bible as a chore and not as a delight. Verse 3, notice this. He says, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring, he says, that bringeth forth fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Now I'm flipping back to my, 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 my paper Bible because um. One of the things that you'll notice in verse 4, 5, and 6 is that he talks about the ungodly. The ungodly are not so. And he says, verse 5, and the ungodly are not this. And he says, verse 6, and he closes, the Lord knoweth the way of, and he says, the righteous, but the way of the ungodly, he says, shall perish. So he gives us the judgments of these areas in 4, 5, and 6. But the verdict for those that would adhere to what he's saying in 1, 2, and 3, he says, and he shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. What does that mean? He says the harvest or the payback is you will have some roots. You don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. He said there's a harvest attached to that. One of the harvests that you're going to have is the fact you'll know what in the world in whom you believe. You'll develop roots, a root system. The root system is what gets you through storms. The root system is what carries you when you don't understand. The root system is the part that a lot of people are missing and they're trying to substitute it with religion. He says the result shall be, verse 3, is they will have roots or gain. And then he says that bringeth forth fruit in his season. There is a season for your fruit to be in manifestation. Sounds just similar to if you think not. It sounds similar. Don't cast away your confidence. There is a season where God said all of the things that you've sown, that every seed, every seed that you've sown has a harvest attached to it. And then he says, watch this. Well, he says, his leaf also shall not wither. He said, let me give you something else. You're going to have a root system and you or your leaf, your fruit, it's not going to wither. What's that? Vitality will be maintained. He's the one that gives us strength to keep running. He's the one that you can go to when you feel like quitting. He says, when you develop in the process and get the root system, delight in my laws, meditate in them day and night, he says, you're going to get roots and you're going to gain vitality. And then he says, watch this, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Well, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will and it shall, it shall be done unto you. What is that? Prosperity will be the result or the harvest you'll receive if you're in the right place. Some people, that's the issue. Once again, it's not that you have done the wrong thing. You just ain't doing it long enough. It's not that God doesn't want to recompense you. It could be that your mouth is stopping the harvest. It's not that God doesn't want to recompense you. Perhaps the issue is that you got out of place. You used to do this, but you quit. You used to be involved with that, but you quit. And since you started quitting and you started moving in out of holiness and moving in unholiness, God says, I got to recompense you according to what you have actually done. 
And once again, maybe it used to be you were qualified for 100%, but little by little by little, you kept sowing to your flesh, kept speaking doubt and unbelief, kept saying all of these things. And God says, we have dropped from 100 to 25. And God says, that's not my fault. That's yours. Because you wouldn't do the things that I told you to do, and so you won't receive the things that I said you could receive. Faith in the God of recompense means I got to know this stuff. I got to know. No, I got to watch my mouth. Speak life. I got to make sure I live right. I got to make sure I stay in the place where God is telling me to stay. Let's pray. Father, the authority of the name of Jesus. Lord, we bless you for this opportunity to have gotten into your word on this morning. Lord, we believe that you are the God of recompense. Lord, at times we feel like, did you see that? <laughs> you see me out here, God? Lord, we thank you that nothing goes beyond your attention. You see all. And Lord, as we continue to do things, we do it as unto you, not as unto man. And so, Lord, we say with all of our hearts, receive the glory out of our lives. Receive the glory out of our faithfulness, God. Lord, because we understand that the reason why you are telling us to be faithful is because you're developing us for the people that are assigned to us. And so, Lord, as we spend more time with you, Lord, we thank you that we'll catch your heart for the people that you've assigned to us. And God, we won't quit because we know how much you love them. We won't cave in because we know how much you love them. We thank you, Lord, that there are people that are watching our lives, that are watching our walk, that are watching our character, that will see you through us. So, Lord, help us to maintain. We thank you, Lord, that we believe that we'll see your goodness not just in heaven, but also in the land of the living. And so, Lord, we'll continuously wait on you. We'll, we'll not get in our flesh to seek out vengeance or revenge. But, Lord, we thank you that the glory of the Lord shall be our rear guard. And so, Lord, we decide to rest, knowing that all is well. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, it's giving time. Amen. It's giving time. Look over, if you will, to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, and let's look at chapter number 11. Ecclesiastes chapter number 11. The scripture says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this out of the New Living uh, Translation, but I want to make reference to the fact that the scripture says, traditionally in the King James Version of the Bible, oh, just a sec, verse 1, it says, cast thy bread upon the water, for thou shalt find it after many days. The New Living Translation says this, send your grain across the sea and in time profit will flow back to you. So that's what he's talking about when you cast your seed upon the water. He says in time, 
that seed will produce a harvest. He says, verse number two, out of the New Living Translation, he says, verse two says, but divide your investments among many places, for you do not know what risk might lie ahead. Verse three, when clouds are heavy and the rains come down, whether a tree falls north or south, it stays where it falls. But he says, watch this, Verse four, farmers will wait for the perfect weather, for perfect weather never, farmers who wait, I'm sorry, for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. And you sit around and say, well, I'm gonna wait for a good time <laughs> to sow. You, you have no expectation of a harvest. He says, farmers who wait for the perfect weather never plant. I've heard people say that. Yeah, I'm going to wait. you got to wait, Reverend. Well, I don't hear what you're saying. But when you give, you're benefiting yourself. He says, if they watch every cloud, they never harvest. He says, just, verse 5, just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of the tiny baby growing in his mother's womb, so you cannot understand, notice how it says, the activity of God who does all things. So he says, verse six, plant your seeds in the morning and keep busy all afternoon. For you don't know if profit will come from one activity or another or maybe both. It's in your Bible. Cast your bread upon the water. Plant your seeds. Now we plant our seeds, bless God, we, we sow our tithes into our church. We also give offerings into other ministries. Man, we got seeds at different places because we believe in the God of recompense. He said, no seed that you sow, he said he returns, he gives seed to the sower, bread to the eater. Cast your bread out there. Cast your seed out and believe that the God of recompense will recompense you in regards to the seeds that you sow. Three ways you can sow into the training center. One way is by way of our online giving, which is at the, the trainingcenter-church.org. You can give by way of online giving at the training center, that's church.org. You can give by way of cash app, which is dollar sign one TTC, dollar sign one TTC. And of course you can give by way of our mailing, which is the training center here at 1314 West 2nd Avenue, Gastonia, North Carolina, zip code 28052. All three ways are you're able to give if you are not able to give live and in the house. And of course, you can give live and in the house by way of check or cash. And of course, you can give by way of these, definitely these first two methods as well. Amen. Congregation, let us set ourselves in agreement with those that are sowing and those that have indeed sown into this ministry. Father, in the authority of the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you that we're able to cast our bread upon the water. We thank you, Lord, as we invest in the anointing, as we sow seeds, as we give our tithes and our offerings where you've directed it. We thank you, Lord, that no seed goes unseen by you. We thank you, Lord, that because we are tithers and givers, you open up the windows of heaven, pour us out a blessing in which there's not room enough to receive. Lord, because we are cheerful, prompt to do it, givers, we thank you, Lord, that all grace abound towards us. And so, Lord, we thank you that you are the God of recompense. And we thank you, Lord, that we can now say to our seed, seed, go and grow and produce a great harvest in the name of Jesus. Everyone in agreement with that prayer did say, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, last but definitely not least, I am happy to announce that 
My first book is out. Glory to God. Amen. My first book is now available on Amazon. All profits and proceeds for this book go directly to the training center. So when you buy a book, you are helping the training center. Amen. All of the profit goes directly into the training center. Of course, with the uh, uh, there's also the publishing fees, and they take care of their percentage, but the rest of it comes into this ministry. But um, the book is entitled How to Overcome Disappointments. How to Overcome Disappointments. I know I've had my fair share of disappointments. And within this book, I, I, I give you the steps that God gave me on how you overcome this. Now, I was originally called this How to Deal with Disappointments, but as I was going to sleep another night, God said, I need you to change that name from How to Deal With to How to Overcome. Because these steps will show you how to overcome disappointments. Disappointments are something that are natural to the human experience. We're going to have them. Jesus did not say that you would not have trials or issues within life. And then sometimes we have emotions and things that happen in our life that disappoint us. But a disappointment is not, it's, it's not supposed to be something that derails you completely out of your uh, pursuit of what God's called you to do. It's something you're supposed to go or get on to the other side of it. And so in this book, that's exactly what we talk about. The steps so that you can go through the process of being healed in that area so that you can get your commitment back in its proper order and do what God's called you to do. How to overcome disappointments. It's not a long, long read. This is what I define as one of our ministry books. So it's intended to be more on one of our shorter reads. But I'm elated uh, to be able to say that I am now one of the Lord God's authors on the earth. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, <clears throat> unless you need personal prayer or ministry, you may be dismissed. God bless you. We will see you. Thursday night. Amen. Hello, I'm Lady Aisha W. Smith. Thank you for joining us today. We are the Training Center Church located here in Gastonia, North Carolina at 1314 West 2nd Avenue, Suite B. If you're joining us and this is your first time, we'd like to take this time to say thank you. If you're new to our area or if you're looking for a church home, we currently have our services on Thursday evening at 6.45 and 7 p.m. for Bible study and Sunday morning worship at 10 a.m. We'd like to invite you and your family and even a friend to join us live here in person where we have worship every Sunday. Thank you for joining us. Give thanks and be blessed. I'm Lady Aisha W. Smith. On behalf of our pastor, Pastor A.C. Smith, we love you and thank you so very much. <laughs>